chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. This is a special Sunday we put aside pro, uh, today. And the, the passage that came to mind in preparing this is, in, is, is the one I'm going to read to you, along with that which is around it. So Philippians chapter 2, we like to stand in honoring God's word, so I appreciate you standing. I'll read it, I'll pray, and then we'll get into it. So here it is. Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So Lord, we thank you again. For the, we just sang some songs all about what you did for us in going to the cross and dying on that cross and granting to us forgiveness and wholeness and healing, sanctification. And one day we will be with you and so shall we ever be with you. In the meantime, here we are, Lord. And we ask in Jesus' name that as I prepared, you would take this and break it fresh. Feed us, we're hungry. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We need to hear from you, Lord. We long to hear from you. We long to know you, walk with you, and experience what you have promised to us of eternal life. And you said this is eternal life, that we may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So Holy Spirit, come, bless this time in the word now, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You can be seated. So please keep your Bibles open to Philippians there. I'm going to go back to that uh, in concluding this message. So in past years, I've given messages on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, but we quickly decided that we could not wait until January 22nd, 2023, and so we calendared today for this. This is not a new issue for me and for many of us, but it certainly became new with the overturning of the Roe v. Wade by the Supreme Court 58 days ago on June 24th. Amen. So since that historic decision, I have been reading books, watching videos, listening to Bible studies, and some I'll pass on to you this morning, to refresh and further my understanding and preparedness so that I can be helpful in encouraging others this morning from the front, but so many divine appointments in all of our spheres of influence where this is affecting it. In fact, all of us are impacted by this. So in this gleaning process, number one, the scope of just this one issue, which is in, in context of a myriad of these very defining issues, is immense. And two, I so appreciate Many others who have equipped themselves to encourage us in articulating and applying the specifics much better than I can. This morning, we have Luke Blevin from Tiny Heartbeat. Been going two years, the ministry. He is a new CCS missionary. Where are you, Luke? He, we just took him on as one of our missionaries. Pat Shepherd of Healing Hearts Ministry, which is a ministry that was going on for 34 years. Pat's been at it for how long, Pat? 21, 21 years. And then also Ben Edwards, where's Ben? Right here, who is from CareNet Pregnancy Center. That ministry has been going on, I believe, 47 years, but, but CareNet of Puget Sound has been About 25. 25 years. Would you just say thank you with your hands for a moment? <laughs> 
So we're going we're gonna to wrap up our time by having these three come forward, and we're going to interview them a little bit as to our involvement and what's going on in these ministries. These are not the only ones. There are many others, organizations that are on the front lines that are making a difference. And so I'm so thankful. Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, 39 years. Center for Bioethical Reform in 1991, 31 years. Stand to Reason with Greg Coco has been 25 years, as has Project Truth, 25 years. Life Training Institute, 18 years. 40 Days for Life, Sean Carney, 18 years. And then Create Equal, and there are many others that have been going for 10 years. And so this issue has spurred from the church and from believers the necessity that we understand it and we're able to then un understand the gravity of it, in it being actually legalized in our supposedly for us. So some of the indelible life markers that over the years have shaped my thinking and convictions concerning abortion and all the pain in its aftershocks and consequences have shaped mine over the years. Let me give you some. It wound up being 10. I don't know why it's 10, but it's 10. Number one, were it not for a miscarriage when in my late teens, Abortion was the option my then-girlfriend and I would have taken to Mexico without a second thought. And I was raised in a Christian home. Secondly, coming back to Jesus in repentance and faith when I was 22 years old. Third, marrying Charlotte when I was 33 years old. Fourth, the life-changing experience in seeing the births of our two sons, Trevor and Brandon. Fourth, the adopting of our sons, Marcus, Terrence, Titus, and our daughter, Mariah, three of them from foster care, rescued out of very broken homes, joining our family with a brokenness that we still, years later, asking God to heal. Now, it's very difficult because we love our kids. They're our children. We look at, and we who have children, we who don't have children, look at little lives, and our hearts are so open to how precious every one of them is. No family is immune to the dysfunctions that the law of sin and death causes. The family is to be a refuge of safety and security where God can impart an identity as to who they are in his eyes and that they are loved unconditionally by him. He created them. He knit them together in their mother's womb. And I would re-emphasize this family, this family team's weekend coming up. I think many of you should be there to hear these things and understand that God himself designed family as central to any culture. Number six, having six grandchildren. These are things that have... have Shape my thinking. Let me say to you, having six grandchildren will shape your thinking. And I, it's six, and I hope we're still counting. Merrick, Cohen, Brooks, Evelyn, Liam, and Emerly. Number seven, seeing an extended family tree. I, I do it when I'm able to. Ancestry.com, I'm putting the family tree in there. And I look at our extended family tree, and there are members lost to these crushing statistics. Number eight, a video series, Making Abortion Unthinkable, The Art of Pro-Life Persuasion, put out by Stan Teresa Ministry, Greg Coco, shaped my thinking tremendously. Number nine, 
the scriptures, and some of them have shaped my thinking tremendously. And God's response in the days of Jeremiah to child sacrifice to Baal, when I read this, and I've, and I've shared it many times in my discussions, in Jeremiah chapter 19, thus says the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen flask and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom, which is by the entry of the potsherd gate, and proclaim there the words that I will tell you and cry and say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring such a catastrophe on this place that whoever hears of it, his ears will, will tingle. Why? Because they have forsaken me and made this an alien place. Because they have burned incense in it to other gods whom they neither, neither they, their fathers, nor by the kings of Judah have known. And have filled this place with the blood of the innocents. They have also built the high place of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings to Baal. And here's what struck me when I read this several years ago which I did not command or speak. The only place I know where God said this, nor did it come into my mind. God himself describing for us in such a way, we never would have crossed his mind in that sense that it would be that, that men would go, his own people, to that depth of evil. Connected to that is number 10 for me. Seeing the country that I love being overrun by lawlessness and everyone doing what's right in their own eyes, where life now is cheap, as corruption and evil are being unleashed by the powers of hell against all that is good, godly, and righteous. So as far as our country, I came to conclude that were Roe v. Wade not overturned, that the hand of the mercy of God stretched out to America, specifically for 49 plus years since that Roe v. Wade decision in 1973, that that hand of mercy might have been withdrawn to a final and deserved judgment on our nation. Now, it was, it was overturned, and that was to the shock of many, to the joy of many, to the anger of many, the grief of many. But either way, let me say what I've arrived at. I see it as another extension of the mercy of God for America. That mercy triumphs over judgment. And for that, I'm thankful. And in his mercy, I have hope this morning. And I hope this message is hopeful because I believe we have tremendous hope. A scripture again, and it came to me. I'll read it to you. We'll read it with you concerning our nation. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver one by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. And I say amen. It's in the mercy of God. So this is what's on my mind this morning. Holding fast the word of life. The faith, hope, and love that is the church. Let me say that again. 
holding fast the word of life, which is the faith, hope, and love that is the church. So in the case for life, or what to say when, there's a very simple question that is the question, what is the unborn? It's not complicated. This one question is the answer if a person is willing to think through it honestly. That's the battle. As Greg Kokel said, teaches, if the unborn is not human, no justification for abortion is necessary. But if the unborn is human, no justification for abortion is adequate. Let me say, read those again. What is the unborn? If the unborn is not human, no justification for abortion is necessary. If the abortion is human, if abortion is human, if the unborn is human, no justification for abortion is adequate. Powerful, but not complicated. So my gleanings from a message by Pastor David Platt, which I'll send you my notes if you would like that, or email me, I'll send you the link. Fantastic study. I'm going to give you five of eight affirmations that he gives. I'm going to leave out three so that you'll watch it. <laughs> Number one, a mother's womb holds a person known, loved, and formed by God himself. At conception... Psalm 139, for you have formed my, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in mother, my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lower parts. Of, in that secret place of the womb, God miraculously, marvelously knit you together. Number two. Every single person bears the image of God and possesses value before God. Genesis chapter 1, three times. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The womb carries a person formed in the image of God. At conception. David Platt said this. Whenever we decide our definition of, per, definition of personhood is wiser than God's, that always leads to justifying oppression and evil, unquote. Number three. Every single person deserves honor from us. We read in 1 Peter, honor all people. Love that brotherhood. Fear, fear God. Honor, notice, the king. The authorities. We are not to cancel our neighbor. This is biblical. Okay? Four, five, and six are for you to study. Number seven. God requires his children to believe and speak unpopular truth as we show and express unexpected love. I love that statement. God requires his children to believe and speak unpopular truth as we show and express unexpected love. In Ephesians, speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. As followers of Jesus, we have two options on these issues in culture, this one particularly this morning. Two options. Number one, retreat. 
retreating to things like progressive faith, inclusive belief, open-mindedness, trading the truth for the trends of culture, hearing and doing nothing, business as usual. We can retreat, or we can, what David Platt said, we can risk. That means stand up and speak out. Step into these issues and speak God's word when it's unpopular, when it's unpopular while sharing and expressing God's love in ways that are unexpected, living sacrificially, which will be costly. It's God's word on our lips and God's love from our lives. We must fight, Sean Carney, we must fight the temptation that love is possible without truth. Must fight that. It's not comfortable. It's difficult. Number eight, Jesus commands his church to accomplish the great commission, not win a political election. He calls us to accomplish the great commission, not to win a political election. In Matthew chapter 28, many of you know it well. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And Matthew says, amen. It is not ultimately new laws, as good as they may be, but new hearts, new lives, that is really the miracle of God, the work of God. Jesus is and always has been the greatest need for an individual, for a family, for a neighborhood, for a country, and yes, for the whole world. He is the need. Now, when I read this, when I was watching this and heard this and was writing it down, I was personally so convicted by this next thing that I'll put up. What are we going to do for the next 50 years? It's been 50 years, now it's changed. What are we going to do for the next 50 years? Or are you going to have the same level of energy to the Great Commission that we give to political efforts or arguments? Do we feel the same level of emotion when it comes to leading people to Jesus that we have when it comes to supporting a political position or candidate or posting our opinion on social media, unquote. So many have done so much in the social and political realm, which is good and right. The question we all need to ask ourselves is this. Who have I led to Jesus? And then they in, that, they in turn lead others to Jesus. On this issue, as on in all issues, this is the commission Jesus has given to us. Whatever sphere of influence, whatever ministries. Our aim is not merely for abortion to be illegal in government. Our aim is for abortion to be unthinkable in people's hearts and minds. <laughs> Only God, by his mercy, and by his grace, and by his spirit, in the human heart, can bring that about by disciples of Jesus, making disciples of Jesus. So what are we to do? Pray. 
Now, I don't say that tritely. I say that rightly. We need to pray. We need God's intervention in our hearts and in and through our own lives. We are fighting a spiritual battle against demonic forces, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and hosts of wickedness, Ephesians chapter 6. We need God's intervention in a way that is far beyond human ingenuity and understanding. Women who've gone through abortion need to know the forgiveness and freedom that God offers through Jesus Christ in the gospel. Women and men need the intervention of the truth in God's word, the power of God's spirit, and the hands-on caring of God's people, which is the gospel. We don't need to hear from the world. They need to hear from us the gospel. So the simple question is the question, what is the unborn? When this question is asked, it exposes the opposition. Whether they know it or not, and what happens? They bring up all kinds of arguments to distract us from answering the question, from them answering it. Because the truth is, if the unborn is not human, no justification for abortion is necessary. But if the unborn is human, no justification for abortion is adequate. What is the unborn? In his book, The Case for Life by Scott Klusendorf, he's head of the Life Training Institute, part three of this book, pro-life Christian answer, pro-life Christians answer objections persuasively. And there's seven chapters in this part of the book. Chapter nine, from debate to dialogue, asking the right questions. Chapter 10, the coat hanger objection. Women will die from illegal abortions. How do we answer that persuasively, objectively? And then the other ones. The tolerance objection. You shouldn't force your views on others. Have you heard these, some of these? Chapter 12, the single issue objection. Pro-lifers pro should broaden their focus. Chapter 13, the hard cases objection, which is rape justifies abortion. Chapter 14, the I don't like you objection. Men can't get pregnant and other personal attacks. Chapter 15, bodily autonomy objection. It's my body, I'll decide. This book will equip you like none other. There's another book, What to Say When, by Sean Carney, 40 Days for Life. In this, he says, quote, this is a spiritual battle. When individuals and governments take it upon themselves to determine whether a person is worthy to live, we are forced to ask and answer the most basic and essential questions of human life. What is it? Where does it come from? And why is it sacred? Another quote. There's only one way to justify abortion, and that's to dehumanize the, the baby being aborted. Now, those are the distractions that we need to be equipped for. But there's another distraction that I've noticed, another tactic that comes along. It's joined to it for sure. Holding fast the word of life, the faith, hope, and love that is the church. God requires his children to believe and speak unpopular truth as we show and express unexpected love. 
Jesus commands his church to accomplish the Great Commission, not to win a political election. Here's the distraction. The church is the problem. Or the church is not doing enough. Or you as a Christian are a bigot, hateful, without experience, sexist, racist, brainwashed, hypocrites, uncaring, unloving, intolerant, and judgmental. And some would say Republican. I want to say to you this morning, and this is the, my, my, what's on my heart. This is not the church I know. None of these things. You are not the Christians I know. I want to go to Philippians if you, in your Bibles. Philippians. Here's what Paul wrote to his beloved Philippians. Therefore, my beloved, as you have, op- this is chapter 2, verse 12. Please, I hope you have your Bibles. Just read with me. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining. That's about what I have to do. And disputing, that's about what I think you should be doing. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Now notice, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all for the same reason you also be glad and rejoice. Brothers, I want to say to you, I know God's church is the most powerful, impactful thing regarding the issues that are destroying people's lives individually, families, cultures, countries. It's the church. And so lest we get weighed down on a guilt trip, I want to say to you, Paul is giving to us here what's on his heart, and then he's saying, I know your heart's the same, and so we can rejoice together. The church that I know, the Christians that I know are, however faulty, and I get that, genuinely seeking to live their lives in obedience to God, to do the will of God, to shine as lights in this world, to hold fast the word of life. And may I say, that's you. That's you. I am really good about raking myself over the coals. I'm really good (laughs) at saying I I need to be, and I'm really good at getting under a guilt trip. When God is saying to you and to me, his church, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of what pleases him. He is working in our lives. He who began the good work will complete what he started. Now, lest you think I'm getting a little sappy, I want to say to you, I love you. And I know that you love me. And we're gathering together this morning. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. You don't love the love of God. You're in a place that's filled with the love of God for you, for us. Now, what catches my attention for us this morning is Paul referring time and time and time again in chapter 1 preceding this to the gospel. 
The gospel is the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes. It's the gospel that changed our lives. It's the gospel that changed our relationships. It's the, God that, it's the gospel that's changed, changing the world. Always has and always will. So as you still have your Bibles open, I trust, I just want to read Philippians beginning in chapter 1. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. This is Paul writing to his Philippian friends. This would be God speaking to us as the church, us speaking to one another as believers. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Hey, I saw it start and I'm seeing it being completed. Verse 7, just as it's right for me to think of you all, he came from the south, of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me, verse 17, or 12 rather, have actually turned out to the furtherance of the gospel. He's going through tough times. He's saying to them, as for them also, it's tough, it's difficult, but you've been there and the gospel is going forward and we are seeing that. Or should I say, are we seeing that? I hope this morning I can go, look at it, see it, it's happening. Verse 15, some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposed to add to my chains. So he's going to make life miserable for Paul. But then he says, verse 10, but the latter out of love. That's you. That's me. Out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, standing side by side. Verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and, from God, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now hear in me. Paul's saying we're together in this thing. It's all happening. We're together. Now, what's he saying here? The truth is that we have been granted courage from God and are standing. We're standing fast in one spirit, one mind. We are standing firm in all of our struggles. We're striving together for the faith of the gospel. The truth is we are making our adversaries uncomfortable. You know, even those on the front lines for years and years never thought they'd see Roe v. Wade overturn. It's because of the, the, the efforts of the, and the prayers of many that God is showing us mercy and it was overturned. And it's shaken the adversaries. As you know, we're, we're making our adversaries uncomfortable. We're, in, we're stirring in them a, this weird curiosity, but understood curiosity. When they see the life of Christ, 
there's this question. What's the difference? Why are they different? And Luis, as you and I were sharing, just the, the Spirit of God through your lives over in Iraq, and they're seeing something there that's different. It's the same with every believer. We are lights. The gospel is true, and the truth can't be avoided. You see, the ultimate failure will be God's enemies. The ultimate victor will be his church. Holding fast the word of life, which is the gospel. Holding fast the word of life, the faith, love, and hope that is the church. So I wrote here, we are on a gospel journey, not a guilt trip. This gospel that we hold, this treasure in earthen vessels, we know, if only more in our minds and our hearts, we know that God has given to us a gift. There's the power of him to salvation. As his church, I have a job to do. You have a job to do. We have a job to do. He requires us to believe and speak unpopular truth as we show and express unexpected love. He commands us to accomplish the great commission. We have a job to do. I have a job. We have a job to do. And I believe with all my heart, and not just as a fancy idea, but as the truth, we're doing it. However feeble, however flawed, because he who began a good work in us will complete it. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So take heart, my dear sisters and brothers in the Lord. Take heart as God has given to you a sphere of influence. And maybe you feel like you could be doing more. You probably can in some ways. But what is the Holy Spirit directing in your heart today? What's the next step for you? And whatever issue it is in your life, maybe it's not even the abortion. Maybe it's What's God saying? You see, that's the life of the gospel. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what God's doing. All, every day is a new day. For you and for me to rejoice in Christ Jesus to proclaim the gospel. There's a battle to be waged and we're waging it. There are prayers to be prayed and we're praying them. There's a truth to be proclaimed, we're proclaiming it. There's a gospel to be preached, we're preaching it. There's a light to shine, we're shining. There is a, see, there are hearts to be loved, and we're loving them as best as we can. Not perfectly, not without mistakes, not without problems, but with faith, hope, and love that are in Christ Jesus. It's the gospel. There are lives to be healed, and listen, God's healing them through Jesus Christ. So this morning, my heart, I believe from the Lord, I trust, is that the Lord would recapture for us the hope that can so easily be lost in the immensity of the darkness that is abortion, but not only abortion, many other issues. It's easily lost in despair and discouragement under the onslaught of the prince of powers of the air, the God of this age, the evil one, the devil. He wants to, uh, to distract us in these matters. 
Our faith and hope and love in God and the works that flow from him are bringing mountains low and valleys high, are making crooked places straight and rough ways smooth, are revealing the glory of the Lord. So dear brother, dear sister, dear family, let us stand together and stay at it with the faith, hope, and love that is the gospel. You can always begin somewhere. And so as, the, as I ask these three ministry people to please come forward, we're going to interview this morning in closing our next, our next few minutes. Luke Blevin, from Tiny Heartbeat, and I asked Luke, because uh, I used to say, I used to think it's Tiny Heartbeat, this Tiny Heartbeat, and I said, now, has that ever been? And I like Tiny Heartbeat because it individualizes it. We have Pat Shepard. Where's Pat? In fact, let me get him up here first. From Healing Hearts Ministry, and then Ben Edwards. Thank you, so I'm in your way. So would you just thank them and welcome them, and then we're going to do a little interview. Thanks, guys. You can have a seat. Well, thank you, Lucas, Pat, Ben, for being here. And, uh, and uh, we're just thankful because as we've gotten to, to know and, and love and support uh, all three of these ministries, it's going to be a, it's just a great opportunity for, for us to hear uh, maybe for the first time, what you guys are all about, and uh, and what God's been doing, and how we can how we can get connected. So, Lucas, maybe we can start with with you, and um, as we've as we've gotten to know Healing Heart or sorry, Tiny Heartbeats, uh, just really pretty recently. There's probably still quite a few people who don't know all about what you do. So, could you start by just filling us in uh, for those who've never heard? For sure. Tiny Heartbeat Ministries is a uh, Christian anti-abortion nonprofit based here in Washington. Um, and that Christian part is really important because like what Pastor Kevin was sharing, um, all of our staff and volunteers are trained in how to share the gospel. Conversations about abortion often lead into conversations about Jesus. And we want to make sure that everybody who speaks to us is prepared to hear that. Um, the Tiny Heartbeat Ministries falls into the educational arm of the pro-life movement. And so we at Tiny Heartbeats focus on the three C's. The first is clinics. We go out to clinics to sidewalk counsel women to go talk to them and encourage them and convince them to not kill their children there um, and share with them the healing of Jesus Christ. The second C is culture. Particularly, we go to college campuses, high schools, and urban centers to go talk to people about abortion, hopefully far before they get to the clinics. And then finally, the third C is churches, going into churches to equip Christians like you and how to engage in a conversation about abortion and how to share the gospel. Awesome. And every time I see you, Lucas, you have quite the posse. You're a pretty popular guy. Uh, raise your hand if you're here because, uh, awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, maybe one quick follow-up. Um, I think the first time I heard about all of, all of uh, what you guys do, one of my reactions was, man, that's bold. Or um, I think some would even take that further or say like some of the tactics are, are even aggressive. Like how do you respond when, because um, you, you guys aren't shy, let's put it that way. So how do you respond when somebody might, might uh, uh, ask you, why, why is what you're doing loving? Yeah, as Pastor Kevin was sharing, love must be married with truth. We cannot be loving to people if we don't share with them the truth of what God has made clear to us in the Bible. Um, as you can see in some of these pictures out here, we go out into the public, sometimes to places where people don't want to hear that truth. Um, but if we don't share with them the hope of Jesus, 
then they're going somewhere far worse. If we don't share with them that this is a real child inside, then they're going to live their whole lives with that sin on them, with that guilt on them, and not to mention that child who won't live a life at all. Thanks, Lucas. So, Pat, let's go to you. Um, as I've been here for years, I've, I've lost count of the number of women who have, have said that their time with healing hearts has been transformational in their walk with Jesus. So for, for those that may not uh, know all of what Healing Hearts does, give us the nutshell kind of version of that. Um, well, Pastor Kevin said it all. Um, Healing Hearts is um, the leaders point the women to Jesus. We are gospel-centered, Christ-centered, gospel-centered ministry who um, we believe that the God who created us is the only God who can heal us. And it's through God's word that we'll minister to them. We take each woman, whether it's in a very small group or one-on-one, I've done many of them, and we walk together through God's word to understand the God's forgiveness, uh, the uh, hope and love that he has. Women that, uh, who have had abortions, and I have had one. So I was telling Lucas, I said, oh, had I heard that 50 years ago, life would have been different. But God is using me through that to be able to help women who are hiding in that guilt and shame. So we are, that's who we are. It is Christ-centered. Thanks, Pat. And Ben, we're so grateful that uh, Karen out of Puget Sound is in our area doing the work that they do. Uh, Tell us, what is the mission and and, and vision of that ministry? Well, first of all, Test, test. Well, good morning. I, I, first of all, thank you so very much for your message today. It was powerful. And I think what happens is that, you know, throughout a year, we look at um, Sancti Human Life, and we pick one day, uh, which is January 22nd of 1973, when Roe v. Wade was legalized. And we don't pull this out on various Sundays, and thank you for that. And I'll tell you, as a congregation, you're blessed to be in a life-supporting church. Thanks, Ben. So, Kiernan offers hope, biblical truth, and life-affirming accurate information. We uh, certainly offer uh, certain things in the way of coming alongside women, uh, offering hope, uh, first and foremost, when these women come to us, I think the blessing of that is, is that a lot of them do not know there is hope and uh, there's options to their pregnancy. I think, too, uh, with their options to the pregnancy, we do not decide for them what to do, okay? They decide. God changes that, and we understand that. And so we can come alongside them, and even if they do not choose life, and decide to abort, um, we are there for them, and we find more and more women coming alongside afterwards and regretting some of those decisions that they've made. Uh, The other thing, too, is this isn't just a woman's issue. This is a men's issue as well. We come alongside men that have talked their girlfriends or partners into abortions, and there's huge regret there, too. 
So we're there for not only for the woman, but also the, for the, the man that uh, has come alongside him. Yeah, over the years, I've heard of some of the men's ministry stuff you do. Always super impressed. We're, again, just grateful that this ministry is, is right here in our backyard. So back to you, Lucas, um, with, with Tiny Heartbeats. Uh, maybe you could tell us just some of the things that have happened recently in the last couple of months where you've seen God uh, working through the ministry. Yeah, the, one of the greatest joys that we have at Tiny Heartbeat Ministries is discipling people in their faith, going into and helping them grow through their sanctification while they learn um, how to talk about abortion, how to share the gospel. One of the best opportunities we had to do that was over the last two months, we got to uh, go and intern seven young people, college and, and high school aged, um, in not only abortion and, and the gospel, but other Bible issues um, like creation, like what really is hell and other things like that. Um, and on that internship over that summer, to our joy, Roe v. Wade fell. And that was a day of rejoicing for us. We sang songs to the Lord, we prayed and thanked Him. Um, but in other ways, it was a reminder that the work is only starting, um, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, where now we have an opportunity to make real change. And so on that day, after singing our songs and thanking the Lord, we went out to our local Planned Parenthood like we do every week. And uh, one of the interns, his name is Cole, he was the guy that was in charge of um, approaching the cars as they were entering the parking lot. And so there was one young mother, uh, her window was already down, opportunity was wide open, and he went over to her and, and offered her one of our pieces of literature and said, would you please read this before you go inside? Um, she gently took it, um, and before he could say any more, kind of sped right into the parking lot. Now, Cole, uh, being the guy he is, he just starts kicking himself. He's like, oh, I, I, I had it right there. I should have, should have kept the conversation going. Um, but he turned around to, so that he could go and, and um, keep talking to the other cars that were going in. Well, little did he know that where he was unable to act, God was working in her heart. And so instead of going inside to her appointment, she actually sat in her car, read through that literature, um, which is a unlock the truth pamphlet. You can come get it at our table if you want to read it yourself. Um, she's reading through it, looking at what babies look like before and after they're aborted, looking at how the abortion industry lies to women and going and connecting her with some of those resources. And that day, the Lord changed her heart. And instead of going to her appointment, she drove out and did not kill her child. Wow. Praise God. Pat, maybe you can give us an update. Yeah. There's an appropriate response. Yeah. Pat, give us a little update on uh, where Healing Hearts has been recently and, and what's coming up. Well, Healing Hearts is all, has been here for quite a while. And uh, just one story I, I had was when I had a gal who was on drugs and um, she was pregnant and she was thinking about getting an abortion. And we walked through uh, the word and uh, she was really strong. She quit the study in the middle, but yet somewhere the Holy Spirit spoke to her and she had her baby. She just kept her baby and it was a wonderful thing. The thing also that um, Healing Hearts does, uh, the hem of his garment is, and the binding up, is that we have that relationship with the gals one-on-one -on -one to be able to speak to them about how much God loves them, that there is no sin that God will not forgive if they confess and repent and be humble. 
And that's the thing, that he loves them. He wants them. He, he draws them closer and to them if, if they want. They desire, his desire is for them to be whole. And that's part of learning who he is, having that relationship with him. And then when you have that relationship, you know that God is the perfect parent. And so for women who have, or have, have children or have had abortions, learn through God's word how to love, how to have compassion, how to forgive, how to accept forgiveness, and to be like God so they can pass it on to their children and their children can pass it on to others. And that's the beauty of it. It's not an easy road. But with God, you can do all things. Amen. Amen. Ben, you've shared some exciting things that have been going on with Carinetta Puget Sound. Could you share with, share with the church here? Uh, certainly will. Uh, you know, since Roe v. Wade was overturned, uh, Carinetta Puget Sound has increased their clients, has increased their ultrasounds, have brought more people to Christ, we are a thousand clients over last year since that was decided. You know, it's amazing. We talk about love and some of the stories too, and I'll just share one quick one with you. Uh, that a father um, uh, was telling me about his daughter, and she was going to have a child. And the child had multiple birth defects. And we often hear, oh, we need to abort the baby or whatever. God uses this in many different ways. And what happened was, is when, when the child was born, multiple birth defects, and the child survived a day and a half on earth. But what that child did was brought this entire family back together. It had been splintered for years. And that's how God used it. So huge blessing that way as well. And we often hear where, you know, Christian uh, girls may get pregnant. Um, they grow up in a Christian home. Uh, they go to Christian college, and then they end up having a Christian baby. Um, and uh, what happens is that they go home, and uh, they're so afraid of telling their parents, and they come to CareNet and said, um, you know, what do I do? What do I do? You need to tell your family, and you'll feel much better. Oh, they'll kill me, and I said, no, they won't. But she, uh, she got the courage to go back home. Very difficult situations got the courage to go back home tell her uh, family, mother came off the rails a little bit. But the father said something that was so precious. He says, there's nothing that you will do that will disappoint me. So that's how that works as well. We do not need to pile on. We can show with love and compassion. Amen. So I know all three of you guys are on the front lines and, and, the, and those volunteers that you work with are on the front lines um, providing help to to women and men uh, that are in really hard places. So share with us uh, some ways that, you know, as God might be stirring in some hearts to, to get more involved, to give financially, and to pray, uh, what are some ways we can do that for all three? And we'll just go down the line here. Great. The first one is actually um, just right in your guys' back, backyard here. Um, the If I could have Maggie Mary step stand up. She leads, we can give her a hand, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maggie leads a team every Thursday um, that goes and sidewalks counsel, sidewalk counsels women like I was just telling you about in that story. They go and do that every Thursday um, at an abortion clinic in Renton, and they are in desperate need of more volunteers. And so if you are somebody who is willing to go out and be a lifeline for these children, um, please go and talk to her at, either after this service um, or at a later date because um, they are needing more help there as things are getting more aggressive in particular. We, if we could have some older men going, that would be a huge help for that team. Um, the, that's something that you can get involved in just right away here. Um, secondly, uh, the Tiny Heartbeats, we're coming back to CCS in three weeks on September 11th after the second service, giving a workshop in how to talk about abortion, how to engage in some of these conversations and address some of those questions that Pastor Kevin brought up. My body, my choice, what do you say? You're a man, you can't have an opinion, what do you say? Well, what about rape, what do you say? We're, we want to help give you the answers um, so that either if you would like to come out to campus with us, we'd love to have you, but also for talking to your family, talking to your coworkers, talking to your children. Um, and then uh, there's tons of other stuff that we're doing. We're growing and growing in what we're able to do out here in western Washington. And so if you want to hear about more opportunities, um, just talk to either me over at the table or anyone else wearing this shirt. Awesome. Lucas, one more time on the date for the training. The date yeah, the, the training is on September 11th. So that's three weeks from today, uh, September 11th. It's after the second service here at Calvary. Awesome. Thanks. And Pat, how, what's coming up and how can we get involved? Um, well, it's a very quiet ministry here um, because of, the, because of the, uh, the trauma and the sin that's involved in life. So I just would ask you to pray t for the women and the men that have uh, had abortions, or we have also studies for men online um, for that God and the Holy Spirit would touch their hearts and allow them to um, put that sin at the foot of the cross so that they can feel that love and grace and mercy that Christ has for them because when you live in guilt and shame, you're not going to come forward. And I know that um, I only gave it up to the Lord when there was someone at church, Calvary, <laughs> uh, big Calvary, who got up there and spoke. And I said, but you are too holy. You are, you are so beyond me, and how could he forgive me? And that's how you can pray for those women who are, and men who are hurting desperately um, inside. They can't make right choices. Um, life is a mess. Um, it's only through God's word will they find that peace, that hope, and a new life in him. Um, we always have a conference every year, and we do a, a special walk uh, once a year for fundraising, and uh, uh, so that's the only way we, we, we get money. We, get, we, we do scholarships for our Bible studies, and uh, I just thank the many women here who have come through the study and, and had God touch their hearts and heal them. Thanks, Pat. So if I understand right, the, the study is going to be offered this fall. Sometimes that's like one-on-one, -on -one and sometimes it's a real small group, but those opportunities are, are currently available, right? Yes. Groups are only um, maximum five. That's a huge group because 
you're really getting in deep into the the pain. Gotcha. Cool. And to sign up for those, you can just come come see you at the table. Yeah. So yeah. So Ben, um, what are some some opportunities to connect and engage with CareNet if you just sound? Uh, thank you. Uh, CareNet has uh, over 400 volunteers. We're a volunteer-led organization. And in all, all honesty, we can use another 400 volunteers. Uh, we're not only within our centers, within our medical. And is Bob Simons in here? There he is. Okay, Bob's a volunteer, and he brought the medical mobile unit. I want to invite you out to look at that today. That serves right here in Kent. And without you, without the support of this church, that, that wouldn't be possible. So thank you very much for that. We need men, too, to step up and uh, help Bob if possible. We need men to mentor other men. We have a CareNet 101 coming up where you can find out all the things we do at CareNet. And then we also have volunteer classes. So uh, with that said, uh, men, uh, if you would like to learn how to mentor other men, men are coming into our centers on a regular basis. They're sitting there. The woman's being tested. And... Uh, their wheels are turning. What we want to do is get these men to man up. We want them to be responsible. Even if the woman doesn't want to marry the, the gentleman, uh, we want him to uh, support the baby, support her, and really take responsibility for what he's doing. So we could use your help that way. Awesome. And there's lots more opportunities to connect with each one of these at the table with more questions. Um, we want to close our time by praying over, over these ministries. Uh, so I invite Pastor Kevin back up. Uh, but first, can we just thank these guys one more time for being here and spending time with us? I'm so grateful. So let me pray and then... Uh, okay, why don't you stand with us as we pray and then we'll, go, we'll close with a song. Uh, our worship team can come out. Uh, yeah. So Father, we're grateful for these ministries and for your provision, Lord, of, of the people and the resources and uh, just all that needs to, to align for the work of the ministry to happen. God, I thank you um, that you use us, Lord, that you don't have to, but you choose to, to, to do your work through us. And so we're humbled by that and, and ask, Lord, that you would direct our steps. God, I pray that we would respond in obedience when it comes to, to this issue and, and all issues. Um, we want to be your obedient servants, Lord. So again, God, I just give you thanks for tiny heartbeats, for, for um, healing hearts, and for CareNet of Puget Sound. I pray that you bless these ministries yes. immensely in Jesus' name. So would you just join me? Just extend your hands to these guys as we just, in that sense, lay hands on them. And Lord, we pray by your Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit over them, in them, and through them to accomplish the things that you've put on their hearts to, to do. And Lord, by your strength and by your wisdom, and as, as they're connecting to different people that are helping and volunteering in churches, Lord, we ask again for the fullness of all you want to do to be actually seen and appreciated, and there be just fruit to their accounts. But more, most importantly, people would come to know God, come to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ to be sent. That's our prayer. And so, Lord, do that for these guys. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen.